Welcome to Truths for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall. All right, let's read Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. And here's what, here's what Jesus said in these verses. He says, Moreover, when you fast, do not be like hypocrites with a sad, a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now, in these verses, our Lord teaches us to do something in the right way. He talks about about the right way to do something that most Christians never do, and that is to fast. Now, let me talk a little bit about what the Bible talks about and what the Bible says about fasting. What is fasting? Well, in the Bible, fasting is a decision by a believer, a decision by a follower of Jesus Christ, that for a period of time, they're going to stop doing something that they normally do. It's a decision by a follower of Christ, a a decision by a believer in God that for a period of time, they make this decision for a period of time, they're going to stop doing something that they normally do. And they're going to stop doing it for a spiritual purpose. They're, They're going to stop doing something they normally do, something physical, something material, something, you know, of everyday life, they're going to stop doing that thing in order to concentrate on the Lord. They're going to stop doing this for a spiritual purpose. Now, in the Bible, that which is usually stopped for a spiritual purpose is the consumption of food. Now, as you read the Bible, you know that you find fasting throughout all of the Bible. This kind of fasting is found 75 times in the Bible, 44 times in the Old Testament, 31 times in the New Testament. Uh, fasting is talked about, that, that it is talked about how someone in some situation has stopped the consumption of food in order to concentrate on some kind of spiritual purpose or spiritual need. Now, what about them believers? Are believers commanded in the Bible to fast? Well, fasting is often mentioned in the Bible 75 times. But New Testament believers are never commanded to fast. In fact, even though you find fasting all throughout the Bible, the only fast that is commanded in the Bible by God, the only fast ever commanded by God, was a one-day fast from sunup, to sundown, and that fast was commanded for the Jews to observe on the Day of Atonement. So while you find fasting throughout the Bible, and fasting is talked about often, not only in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, believers are never commanded to fast. In fact, the only fast ever commanded was a one-day fast on the Day of Atonement, and that was commanded to the Jews. So... 
While followers of Jesus Christ are never commanded to fast, as in stop for a period of time the consumption of food in order to uh, concentrate on a spiritual purpose or to, to concentrate on the Lord, while we're never commanded to fast, the Bible does identify benefits for this kind of fasting. And let me tell you, you can fast in different ways. You don't necessarily have to fast by stopping the eating of food. Now, I know most Baptists, the only fast we know about is how fast we can get to the table. Can I get a witness? I know how we are, you know? And so most believers in America today have never, for any period of time, fasted. And, but, but fasting from food is not the only kind of fast. It, it really, the Bible talks about a denial of something that we normally do. You know, you can do different kinds of fast. It wouldn't be a bad thing for some of us to fast from social media, from Facebook and all that other kind of stuff that, that we get on constantly. It, it wouldn't be a bad kind of thing sometimes to say, well, I'm going to forego that for a period of time. I'm just going to forego, you know, that kind of thing that I normally do, and I'm going to concentrate on the Lord and concentrate on some kind of spiritual purpose. Wouldn't be a bad thing for us to fast from the TV, you know, the idiot box. And now I didn't say that. I'm just quoting somebody else who called the TV that, okay? Uh, so, so, I mean, there's different kinds of fast that you can do, but usually in the Bible, when the Bible talks about fasting, and we know our Lord fasted. We know the Apostle Paul fasted. And we all throughout the Bible, there's fasting. Usually that fast has to do with the, the uh, coming to a point where you're saying for a period of time, I'm not going to consume food in order to concentrate. I'm going to deny the physical in order to concentrate on the spiritual. Now, the Bible does speak about the benefits of this kind of fasting. First of all, it says that fasting can help deepen our walk and our fellowship with Christ. As we temporarily, for a period of time, put aside our focus on physical things and material needs, and then focus our concentration on our relationship with Jesus Christ. That doing that, making that decision, making that kind of commitment for a short period of time can help deepen our walk and our fellowship with Christ. Second of all, fasting has a connection with revival in the Bible. And throughout Christian history, there has always been a connection between prayer and fasting and personal church and national revival. You'll find that throughout the Bible and you'll find that throughout the history of the Christian church where there have been great revivals that, that have happened in a particular area or a particular country at a particular time. Usually you find some kind of connection and always you find the connection of praying, believers praying for revival. And often along with that prayer for revival, there's come the commitment to fast, to put aside, to set aside for a period of time, the physical in order to concentrate on the spiritual. The Lord responds to prayer and to fasting. When it is done in connection with praying to God for revival, maybe for America, maybe we believers need to pray and to fast for our country. 
because our country definitely needs a revival of spiritual awakening. Another benefit for this kind of fasting can be to cleanse our life of sin. As we pray and as we concentrate on God, he will help us. God will help us as we concentrate on our Lord. He will help us to identify unconfessed sin in our lives. The the Lord will open our eyes to see things that we have never seen before that are true in our lives. You know, when it comes to sin in somebody else's life, we generally have a 20-20 vision. We can spot a sin in somebody else's life a mile away. When it comes to sin in our life, usually we can't see it if it's right there in front of our face. And so fasting can help us to identify those areas of our life where we need to confess things and, and, and find cleansing and get right with God in those areas of our life. Fasting can help us to know and understand the will of God. You know, often in the Bible and often in, in the lives of Christians, sometimes when believers are facing a major decision that needs to be made in their life, they will pray and they will fast. Uh, they will forego the physical in order to really concentrate themselves on what the Lord wants them to do when it comes to a major decision in their life. Another benefit of fasting is fasting helps us to keep a balance in our life. Instead of being constantly focused on bodily and fleshly appetites, fasting helps us to keep God first in our life. And fasting helps us to to live under God's control. We're saying, Lord, we we know the physical is important. We know the physical is something that we need to to take care of. We We know we're physical beings, but beyond that, we're spiritual beings. And we don't want to be so concerned with the physical that we forego and and, and not what we ought to be as spiritual. So today, for this period of time, we're going to put aside the physical to concentrate upon you. It helps us to keep a balance in our life. Fasting also is a powerful spiritual weapon, weapon that helps us to overcome evil and to break down spiritual strongholds in our lives and in the lives of others. Jesus said in Matthew 17, 21, Jesus said that some things can happen. Some things that need to happen can only happen by prayer and fasting. So fasting can be a powerful spiritual weapon. Fasting can help us to cope with crisis. In Joel, uh, the, the, the Old Testament book of Joel, chapter 2 and verse 15, the prophet Joel called on the nation of Israel. He said, we need to pray and we need to fast and get right with God because we are facing a national crisis. We are facing a threat to our existence, Joel said. And that threat can only be met if we repent and get right with God. And so Joel says, we need to pray and we need to fast and we need to get right with God. And so fasting can help us to deal with crisis in our own life, in our nation and uh, beyond that. Fasting also, along with prayer, are powerful evangelistic tools. You have a loved one who's lost, a loved one you care about, a loved one who seems so oblivious to what Uh, The truth of the gospel is so oblivious to their need to be saved, so oblivious and so blind to the truth of the gospel and the truth of their own lostness. Sometimes you can pray for them, target them with prayer and with fasting. And God hears that. 
And God sees that. God responds to that. And so prayer or fasting along with prayer can be a powerful evangelistic tool as we target our loved ones and lost friends and a lost nation. Now, while fasting from food has its benefits, let me give a word of caution, okay? A word of caution. This kind of fasting is something that must never be done without caution and without preparation because there can be physical dangers to fasting for any length of time. Fasting should only be done This kind of fasting, fasting from food, should only be done when we're prompted by the Holy Spirit and when a person is physically and medically able to do so. Now, we live in modern America, and our diet is is different from any other diet in human history. We eat a bunch of preservatives, and we've got all of that stuff in our bodies, and you just don't want to fast unless you're prompted by the Holy Spirit and unless you know that you're physically and medically able to do so. And a fra- you know, you, you find a lot of fast in the, in the Bible that were 40 days, you know, 40 days fast. Now we can't do that. I mean, if you can do that today, you're superhuman and God is really with you if you can do that for 40 days. We can't do that, but you don't have to do that. You can have a one day fast. You can have a one meal fast. But again, you don't have to fast just from, from food. You can make a decision that, that in your, your, your life, in order to concentrate on the Lord, you're going to forego this thing or that thing. You're going to make a decision. Lord, I normally do this. This is a part of my life. But I don't want it to be a controlling part of my life. And I've got this need. I, I, I have a desire to draw closer to you. So, Lord, I'm going to put that away. I'm just going to put it down. I'm going to put it away so that I can concentrate on you, so that I can focus on you. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing for believers to do. Now, in these verses, Jesus takes issue with the religious leaders of his day. You know, the religious leaders of his day were just showmen. They wanted to show off. They wanted to put on a show. They wanted to impress people. And so when they, you know, were fasting, the religious leaders of that day, they wanted everybody to know it. And so they would hold their stomachs and they would moan and groan and they would let everybody know, you know, they wouldn't wash their face. They wouldn't clean themselves up. And they would let everybody know that they were going through agony for the Lord. And they they wanted to put on a show. And Jesus said, you don't do that. When you fast and when you do anything for the Lord, you don't do it to put on a show. You don't do it to try to impress anybody. You do it because you want to draw closer to the Lord. You want to honor the Lord. And so Jesus told us, told his followers, don't be hypocrites like those hypocrites who all all they want to do is put on a show and try to impress people with how religious they are. Don't do that. When you fast, don't let anybody know it but you and the Lord. I like that, don't you? Don't let anybody know it. You know, don't, don't, don't put it on Facebook. I'm fasting for the next 40 days for this and the other. Don't do that. 
You know, don't, don't announce it at church in the bulletin and put it in the bulletin and make an announcement about it. If you're going to fast, keep it between you and the Lord. The Lord will honor that. And so Jesus told us, you know, when you fast or really when you do anything for him, don't make a show of it. Don't try to impress people. Just honor the Lord with what you're doing. And the Lord will see and the Lord will honor that. Now, fasting is a periodic spiritual discipline. That's a discipline that that is done not all the time. It is done periodically. It's done when we're prompted by the Holy Spirit. It's done when we make a decision that this is an important thing that I want to address in my own life. This is something that I want to, you know, focus in on my own life or for the life of somebody else. And so I'm going to make this decision to forego food or this or that and the other to really focus on the Lord. That's a periodic thing when we're prompted by the Holy Spirit of God to do that. That's a periodic spiritual discipline. But that leads to a, a, a wider discussion of daily spiritual disciplines. There are daily spiritual disciplines that are essential to the growing and effective Christian life. You know, discipline, a discipline is something you do when you really don't want to do it. You know, you want to lose weight, right? And so you know you need to exercise. So you get on that treadmill and you walk for an hour and you really don't want to do it. But you know the benefit of it. And you know it needs to be done. And you know it should be done. And so instead of ignoring that, you discipline yourself to do that, which maybe you really don't want to do, in order to achieve something in your life. Well, we're called to be disciples of Christ. You are saved in a moment. You're saved the moment you give your life to Jesus Christ. That's the beginning of your walk with the Lord. But for the rest of your life, you will be a disciple of Jesus. And we are to be growing as Christians. And so for us as Christians, there are certain spiritual disciplines that, that we are to focus on in order for us that are, these things are essential to the growing and effective Christian life. What are spiritual disciplines? Well, spiritual disciplines are regular habits, practices, routines that help us to grow as Christians, to help us to grow in our spiritual walk with the Lord. You see, as a Christian, you have a goal. As a Christian, you have a goal. Now that goal is not to make it to heaven. As a Christian, you're going to go to heaven. Okay? As a Christian, you have a goal. That goal was set the moment you gave your life to Christ. As a Christian, your goal is this. To grow as a Christian and how you live and you act every day. To grow as a Christian in your values and your character. How you interact with people. The goal of the Christian life is to become more and more like Jesus every day. That's your goal. As a Christian, heaven's not your goal. Heaven is your destination. You've given your life to Christ. That destination is certain and sure and secure in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what is your goal as a Christian? Your goal as a Christian is to become more and more like Jesus 
each and every day. That's your goal. And that won't happen overnight. That is a lifelong process to achieve that goal. So for us to be growing Christians, effective Christians, there are certain spiritual disciplines that should be a regular part of our life. These are daily disciplines. These are regular spiritual disciplines that should be a part of our life. These things are essential to us to be growing and effective Christians. As saved as you are, you still have an old sinful nature in you. That old sinful nature was in charge of your life before you were saved. <clears throat> in Christ, it's no longer in charge of your life. But that old sinful nature that you won't be rid of until you go to heaven is not going to give up controlling your life without a fight. As Christians, we must constantly have to constantly fight the residue of our old lost life. And we have to train ourselves to follow Christ and obey the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible says we have to exercise ourselves unto godliness. My goal when I was saved is now to become like Christ, more and more like Jesus every day. And how I talk, how I live, how I act, how I interact in my values and my standards, in my character. But that's not going to happen in my life as a Christian unless I observe certain spiritual disciplines that are essential to the growing and effective Christian life. And so there's certain things you need to practice. Holy habits you need to practice on a regular basis, on a daily basis. And these things are essential to you growing as a Christian. Let me share with you those spiritual disciplines. The first spiritual discipline that must be a regular part of our life, a daily part of our life, is the discipline of prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, we are to pray without ceasing. ceasing. We are called to be persistent in prayer, to be consistent in prayer. In order for you to be a growing and effective Christian, the Christian God wants you to be, you should be a better Christian today than you were a year ago. I don't care how old you are. You should be a better Christian today than you were a year ago. We should always be growing in our Christian life. And if you want to grow as a Christian, the first spiritual discipline that you must observe in your life is to be a person of prayer. We must have a regular, ongoing, active prayer life. You say, Brother Chris, I don't know how to pray. Yeah, you do. You know how to pray. You talk to your Abba Father. You talk to your Heavenly Father. You, you study what the Bible says about prayer. And you just speak from your heart to your Father who loves you, the Father who has saved you. And you, you speak to Him about what's going on in your life and about what's going on in the lives of other people. You develop that prayer life. If you want to be the growing Christian that God wants you to be, you must have a regular, ongoing prayer life. Now, don't neglect it. You want to grow as a Christian? You want to meet the goal that God has for you as a Christian? Don't neglect your prayer life. It's so easy to do. You know, it's so easy to do. But that is a spiritual discipline that we all must have. The second spiritual discipline that is so essential to us growing as a Christian is Bible reading and study. Listen to Joshua 1.8. 
Here's what the Lord said to the nation of Israel, and it applies to us. This book of the law, that is the Bible, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. In other words, reading the Bible makes a difference in your life. And I would encourage you. We put it in our bulletin, you know, the daily Bible readings. Take time to do that. Do you know if you read the Bible 15 minutes a day at a regular reading speed, you will read the Bible through in a year? 15 minutes. You can do that when you go to the, go to the, out to eat somewhere, you know, and, and for lunch. You can take along your Bible. You can put the thing on your phone. You can read the Bible 15 minutes at a regular pace and you will read the Bible through in a year. Reading the Bible, studying the Bible, meditating on the Word of God on a regular basis is essential for you to be a growing and effective Christian. Now, it's okay to visit other books. I read other books. I got that Kindle thing. And when I want to read a good book, man, a good old Western, you better believe it. I'm out there with them on the high plains fighting them engines. <laughs> you know, it's okay to visit other books. For the, but for the Christian, the Word of God must be our home. It must be our home. You want to be a growing Christian? You want to achieve the goal that God has for your life? Your goal is not heaven. You're going to heaven. That's achieved. Your goal is to become more like Christ every day. You want to achieve that goal? Must be a person of prayer. You must be a person who reads the Bible. Man, wear your Bible out. Read it. Study it. When you don't know something, you know, in the Bible, what it means, call Brother Chris. I'll either tell you right or I'll make something up, but it'll sound good. But read your Bible. Study your Bible. Here's the third a spiritual discipline that must be a part of our life as growing Christians, and that's worship. Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Thus, let, her, let us offer to God acceptable worship and reverence and awe. We should worship the Lord every day. So how do you worship the Lord every day? Well, you thank Him. Thank Him for His goodness. Thank Him for His grace. Thank Him for His mercy, His love, His kindness, His compassion. Thank Him for who He is. Thank Him for all that He has done for you. Worship the Lord when life is good. Worship the Lord when life is not so good. Worship the Lord when you can understand what's going on in your life. Worship the Lord when you don't have a clue of why what is happening in your life is happening. I love the book of Habakkuk and the final verses of Habakkuk. What a testimony. Habakkuk 3 verses 17 through 19. Listen, here's what Habakkuk said. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines... Though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. In other words, in an agrarian society, Habakkuk is talking about total devastation. Habakkuk is saying, no matter if my life is devastated, listen to what he says. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet and he will make me walk on the, on the high heels.
Habakkuk said, even if my life falls apart, I'm going to worship my God. And so, you know, our goal is to be more like Christ. But you can't be a lazy Christian and achieve that goal. You can't be a neglectful Christian and achieve that goal. You have to have some spiritual disciplines in your life. My dad was a World War II veteran. He was, he was, he was you know, he, he's talked a lot about discipline in life. And at times, he disciplined Brother Chris, you know, when I deserved it. He didn't discipline me, discipline me far, you know, he failed to discipline, discipline me as I, as, as I needed often. But he talked often about discipline in life because he knew it was important and essential. He wanted me to be a grown adult man who knew the values of life and who knew what was important in life. And he knew that I had to learn those disciplines. Well, listen, if you want to be a Christian, the Christian God wants you to be, you can't be a lazy Christian. And I don't care how old you are. You don't never sit on your laurels. You make a commitment. I want to be what Christ wants me to be. And in order for me to achieve that goal, I've got to have these spiritual disciplines in my life daily, regularly. Here's another spiritual discipline that we must have in our life to grow as Christians. And that is the confession of sin. Proverbs 28, 13, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Every day. You know, when I was in seminary, I worked for, for uh, Sears Parts Department. You know, Sears had a parts department. We sold parts for all the appliances and all the things that Sears sold, you know. And there would come a time, twice a year, we would do inventory. And we would have to, we would have to count every little nut, every little bolt, every little washer, every little thing. We had to count every one of them. It was horrendous and it was horrible. But we had to do it. We had to take inventory because it was important. Well, I want to tell you as a Christian, regularly, often, daily, we need to take an honest inventory of our life. We need to search for things in our life that are not pleasing to the Lord. And when we identify those things, oh, sinful actions, sinful attitudes in our life, we must not ignore them. We must immediately confess our sins to God and get right with Him. Daily, our prayer should be like the prayer of the psalmist. Psalms 139, 23, and 24. The psalmist said, search me, O God, know my heart, know my life. See if there is any wicked way in me. Now, as believers, we don't sin like we used to, but we still sin. We will not be free from the potential of sin and the possibility of sin until we go to heaven. And I don't want stuff in my life that is not pleasing to the Lord that I'm ignoring. I want my life to be clean and right before the Lord. Therefore, every day I need to ask the Lord, Lord, you know, I may not see this in my life. I may not understand this. Or I may be fully aware that I've said something that I shouldn't have said. I've looked at something I shouldn't have looked at. I participated in something I shouldn't have participated in. I ignored doing something that I should have done. I may be fully aware of those things. Daily, we need to confess our sins and get right with God and be right with Him. Man, don't let those things grow up in your life. Those are sinful attitudes. And those sinful actions that we're ignoring. 
that we justify, Christians can justify doing this. Well, I know it's not right according to the Bible, but yada, 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 all of that. No, get right with God. Every day we need to get right with God to be clean before the Lord, to confess our sins. Here's another daily discipline, and that is to consecrate ourselves to God's service. Romans 12, 1, it's in the Living Bible, but listen. So, dear brothers, I plead with you to give your lives to God. Let them be a living sacrifice, holy, the kind he can accept. When you think about what he has done for you, is that too much to ask? Every day, every day, we should come before the Lord and we should consecrate and dedicate ourselves. Lord, my life is about you. I want to live for your honor. I want to live for your glory. It's kind of like a soldier reporting for duty. Dear Lord, here's Private Chris Hall reporting for duty. Today, I want to love you. Today, I want to serve you. Today, I want to honor you. Today, I want to live for you. I consecrate, I dedicate myself to your service for everything you've done for me. That is not too much to ask that I would consecrate my life to you. You need to do that every day. Regular part of your every day. See, you can't be a lazy Christian and be a growing Christian. You can't. Can't just show up for church on Sunday morning. I'm glad you do. Can't just show up for church on Sunday morning and then, you know, that's it. That's all that you do for the Lord for the rest of the week. No, we need to do this. You say, well, that takes time. Well, who gives you time? Hello? Who gives you time? You know, if we ever get too busy to serve the Lord, my friends, we are too busy. You ever get too busy to pray? You're too busy. You ever get too busy to serve the Lord? You're too busy. With things that probably in the stretch of eternity don't really matter. We need to consecrate ourselves to God's service. Here's another spiritual discipline, and I'm hurrying. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day. Ephesians 5.18, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit daily, every day. You need to say to the Lord, to the Holy Spirit who lives within you, dwells within you. I've never... You know, I've studied the Bible for decades. I've never really been fully able to wrap my head around that. How does the Holy Spirit of God dwell within me? (laughs) But it's true. I know it's true. I may not know how it's true, but I know it's true. Because the Bible declares it to be true. And so every day we need to come before the Lord and, and, and the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, thank you. You're my friend. You're my counselor. You're my guide. You're my helper. You're the presence of God in my life. And today I want you to control me. I want you to control my mind and my heart and my mouth and how I act. And, and I don't want to grieve you. I don't want to quench you. I want you to be in charge of who I am and all that I am. That's a daily discipline. You don't do that once. You're indwelt by the Holy Spirit once when you're saved. You're filled with the Holy Spirit every day as you, can, as you commit uh, the, your life to His control and His guidance. Another spiritual discipline is the spiritual discipline of giving. Malachi 3.10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be provisions in my house. Giving is a spiritual discipline. Giving is a holy habit that should be a part of our life. Giving. You say, well, doing something habitually is not good. Yes, it is good. You need to have holy habits. 
Holy habits, holy spiritual disciplines. Giving is a spiritual discipline. God gives us everything. I don't know what you're going to have for lunch, but God gave it to you. I don't know how you're going to get there, but God gave you the car to get there. I don't know, you know, uh, God's going to give you your next breath. Everybody, take a deep breath. That's a gift from God. Every beat of your heart. God gives us everything. And we're going to be stingy with God. Seriously, we're going to be stingy with God. Seriously. He gives us all that we have. And then we're going to gripe and complain to him about having to give him just a little portion of all that he gives to us. No. God, will. when you give, you don't lose. When you give, you don't lose. When you give, you gain. You gain the blessings of God. Giving is a spiritual discipline. And finally, the last one that I'll mention is church membership and involvement. That's a spiritual discipline. Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. There was a voice in your ear this morning that said, you know, it'd be good for you, us to stay home today. You've had a long week. You're tired. Bless your heart. This voice said to you, and you know, Brother Chris, he's probably got one of them long-winded sermons again. Do you really want to sit through all of that? You know, there was a voice that spoke to you this morning about how good it would be just to, you know, it's just one Sunday, right? You know what you ought to say to that voice? Get thee behind me, Satan, because that's who's talking in your ear. And say, I'm going to get up. I'm going to get as pretty as I can get. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to be blessed. I'm going to be active, involved in the life of a local church because if Jesus lived here with me, that's where he would be going to church. And so being active and involved in the fellowship of a local church is essential to be the growing Christian that God wants you to be. Now, you may never fast. That's, you know, that's your choice. That's between you and the Lord. You may never fast. If you do, don't put on a big sh- uh, parade about it and a big show about it. Just do it between you and the Lord. And you don't have to fast from food. You, there's other ways you can fast. That's a, that's a periodic spiritual discipline. It's an important discipline. It's a helpful thing. It's a good thing. Don't do it willy-nilly and don't do it to endanger yourself. But do it under the control of the Holy Spirit when He prompts you. That's a periodic spiritual discipline. But there are daily, regular spiritual disciplines that we must do to achieve the goal of the Christian life. God did not save you to sit sour and soak. God saved you to to serve and to advance in the Christian life to become more like Jesus. You should be a better Christian today than you were a year ago. And I don't care how old you are. You never reach the point where you've achieved it all. I'm going to be studying the Word of God until the Lord takes me home. I had a... How old are you, brother? I had an 86-year-old man call me this week wanting to know a question about the Bible. I ain't going to tell you who he was, but he was an 86-year-old man who called me and he had a question about the Bible. We had a good long discussion about it. We both decided we didn't either either one of us know what it meant. (laughs) But that's all right. We talked about the Word of God. Man, that's the way I want to be. And so you want to grow as a Christian. You want to achieve that goal. So again, those spiritual disciplines, prayer, reading the Bible, worshiping the Lord, confessing your sins, getting right with God, consecrating yourself to the Lord, being filled with the Holy Spirit, 
giving and being involved in a, a church family. Those things are essential. Those things are important. Now, if you ignore the spiritual disciplines of the Christian life, it'll stunt your growth as a Christian. It also will do this. It'll make you more vulnerable to Satan's attacks and temptations. I was reading this week in, in my daily Bible readings in, in 1 Peter how the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And you know who Peter wrote that to? He was not writing to lost people. He was writing to Christian people. And he was saying that Satan looks for the Christian who is weak in his faith, weak in his commitment, weak in his walk with the Lord, because the weak ones are targets for Satan. Man, when Satan comes after me, I want him to know that the Lord has strengthened me and I'm ready for him. I have put on the battle, the armor of the Lord. He may win some battles, but I'm going to win the war. If you ignore the spiritual disciplines, you'll make yourself more vulnerable. In our Christian life, we're either going forward or we're going backwards. That's just true. There is no level ground in the Christian life. In the Christian life, you're either going up or you're going down one way or the other. And we'll forget talking to somebody one time. And they had a heavy heart. Heavy mind. And they just said, Brother Chris, I'm not happy. I'm just not happy. I'm not happy with my life. I'm not happy with me. I'm not happy with what's going on in my life. I just get up every morning and I'm just not happy. I'm not satisfied. There's an emptiness in me. I'm just not happy. I shared the gospel with that person. They didn't receive Christ that day. I pray they did later. You know what the answer to being unhappy is? It's Jesus. Amen. The answer is Jesus. The answer is Jesus. Doesn't mean Christians won't be unhappy sometimes. But generally when Christians are unhappy, true Christians are unhappy, it's a temporary thing. Have you ever tried to, to, to sink a beach ball in the ocean? You know, take a beach ball, one that's been inflated, and you can hold it under the waves, right? You can hold it under the waves, but what happens when you take your hands off of it? Pops right back up. Well, for the Christian, we can be sad and we can have unhappy times, but because we're in the Lord and we love the Lord, and we're going to follow the Lord. Those happy times will bounce back and God will bless us and he will give us hope and he will give us encouragement. I pray you know the Lord. Because the Lord loves you. And He doesn't want you to be unhappy. You know, God didn't want you to be unhappy. <laughs> God saves us to have joy. God saves us to know the life that He wants us to live. God saves us through Jesus because He loves us and He cares for us. So maybe you're not happy with your life. Well, the answer is Jesus. And I'd love for you to meet Him. And you can meet Him right now. Here in this place, if you give your life to him, say, Lord, save me from an unhappy life. Save me from a lost life. Come into my life that I might be what you would have me to be. And I'd love to introduce you to Jesus today. Thank you for joining us for our program today. Truth for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall is a presentation of Hall Sports Communications. 
To contact us, you can send an email to chrishall71 at hotmail.com. That's chrishall71 at hotmail.com. Be sure to join us for our next program. Until then, stay safe and may God bless you.